Welcome to Tenet Men. Welcome to Tenet Men. I'm your host, Steve, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin, and together we are doing a complete methodical review of Christopher Nolan's 2020 high epic, high epic concept time travel film, Tenet. We are doing a minute-by-minute minute analysis of the film by conduct, conducting our own temporal pincer movement. I'm on the red team moving forward through time in the movie, and Kevin is on the blue team traveling in reverse through the film. How are you, Kevin? I'm good. I tried to do a I tried to do an inverted take for you on the Zoom call, but <laughs> I ended up it, tripping over everything in the room. <laughs> so Kevin uh, thought it'd be funny to walk backwards into his studio, uh, and instead of uh, instead of him looking inverted, he just fell on some crappy head lying on the floor. Bravo! Yes, <laughs> I I applaud the effort at the very mm-hmm. least. Yes. Uh. Awesome. Well, I am starting from minute mark uh, 521 to 621 this week. Where are you starting from today? I am uh, starting two hours, 18 minutes, 21 seconds to two hours, 19 minutes, uh, 21 seconds. And it lines up pretty perfectly uh, because I'm no longer in the Stalag scene. I'm, I'm, I'm now in uh, the Vietnam scene. So uh, we have an interesting, I think we both have very interesting minutes. I like, you know, you told me before we started recording that you watched my minute and, you know, it's a busy minute and you're right. Uh, I don't watch your minute, so I, I don't prepare as well for this as you do. Uh, but I think that works well because you come prepared with questions to ask yeah. and I get to just make things up as we go along. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, shall we jump into it? Yes. All right. Let's do it. So uh, red team myself will go first. Starting at 521, picking up from where we left off last week, uh, service tunnel to the sewer, right? That is the, uh, our VIP, his, uh, his suggestion for an exit. Um, and our protagonist says, take this, handing over the piece of the algorithm, take him, referring to uh, the VIP, and take his exit, I don't trust ours anymore. That's actually some really solid intuition there by the protagonist that he doesn't trust his. Uh, he doesn't know it, right? But there is obviously a temporal pincer movement happening inside that opera siege, and he has every he's right in not trusting their original plan. Yeah, there's a lot of that in here. And also, this is one of those times where taking it slowly and looking at the script and the, reading the dialogue on the closed caption. Um, it really helps because they're so, they're in masks this whole time. You and it's so hard to understand them. Yeah, definitely on, on, on first the, watch or just hearing them. The first time I watched this, I did not watch with subtitles, and I definitely didn't pick up half the dialogue in the in the in this opening couple minutes here. Right, it is very yeah. confusing. Um, so yeah, one hundred percent. Um, also the the I think we touched on this last week. The you know. They asked the VIP to put on like a response team uniform because mm-hmm. uh, he's changing clothes with one of the response team guys that came in, which we'll we'll get into a little bit later. Yes. But, 
that answers that question that was open from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, now he asks uh, one of the other members on the team, can you defuse that, referring to the bomb that he brought with him? Um, and the guy says, it's centrally synchronized. Are there more? Uh, he didn't answer the question, so I guess he can't <laughs> defuse the bomb. Um, but it's centrally synchronized. I like that he can tell that just by looking at it. Um, <laughs> there's a there's lot a, of quick thinking going on. There is a lot of quick thinking, uh, yeah. And bomb disposal guys are not, like, they're very <laughs> methodical people. They're <laughs> they take forever right? Uh, from my experience with IEDs. <laughs> They are. They have no set time frame because most bombs actually don't have a timer. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a digital display on when they're going to detonate. <laughs> Only in a movie do they have a digital display, letting the person who's right next to it know it's about to go off. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he doesn't answer the question, and then oh, he says covering their tracks, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, which is also a nice little. I think initial reference to, you know, tying off loose ends. Right. Um, Uh, I don't know if that's intentional, but. The next question or next answer is my favorite. Um, Taking out the audience. uh, No, uh, just the cheap seats. Just the cheap seats. Right. (laughs) Right. So he says covering their tracks, taking out the audience question. Uh, And the protagonist responds, just the cheap seats. Um, How does he know that he hasn't, he wasn't up in the, well, I guess he was, but he just didn't see any bombs up there yet. Right. That's true. That's true. Um, now, someone else, someone, another response member from off the camera says, that's not our mission. And he says, mine now. Uh, are like CIA agents, operatives allowed to deviate like this? Like if that's not part, like I feel like it's not, right? Like he's not supposed to do that. I think this is like in the hero's journey uh, or the, <laughs> in the Joseph Campbell uh, experience of a hero this is where the hero goes mm. you know um it, it takes it takes up the mantle takes up the call to save the cat or whatever you know um to show the audience that he is a he is a good a good guy and worthy of being our protagonist and our our um, viewpoint through this adventure okay in, in reality does oh. the does the agent go back and save the audience <laughs> um no probably not <laughs> <laughs> all right I'm just but also, this guy doesn't seem to have a whole lot of like people above him that get mad at him at any point. <laughs> we don't know, right? Like we don't know. Like we don't know what his uh, his status is mm-hmm. in the CIA. But yeah, probably not. I don't know. He seems to be the leader of this group, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. For sure. Um. Okay. So that's not our mission. He says, "Mine now." Uh, very good. Um. The VIP is completely swapped clothes with the response team, uh, and they exit the rally point at 534. Also, just doing some quick math, they entered the rally point at 512. They leave at 534. We are in there for 22 seconds. Uh, Such (laughs) such an important scene, I feel like, right? There's a lot that happens there, uh, and it happens in 22 seconds. Again, just adding that there is so much that happens in this movie in the first, we're five minutes in. Uh, Mm -hmm. So much has happened. Um, okay, so we, we run out of the rally point, and then at 541, we are in back in the opera house. We are starting to collect some more uh, bombs with digital displays. <laughs> uh, 
and he's with the the plain clothes response team member now. Yes, uh, which makes me think that you know this guy could either either exit with our protagonist, or he could actually just blend in with the audience if he wanted to stay there. Uh, he kind of has that option now that he's in plain clothes. Uh, yeah, looking at the script, um, his his name changes in the script um, from SWAT number whatever to Target. So it says the newly dressed quote Target steps up and he says, "I'm with you. The Ukrainians are expecting a passenger," uh, which means I assume that they're double crossing the people that drove them in. Oh, okay. So the Ukrainians that brought them in think they're going to go rescue the the well-dressed man with the item and bring him back to that van and on the spot they are like he says i don't trust our exit which is the ukrainians <laughs> that drove him in there um so so much happens and these guys are so well synchronized with each other they're like okay i'll pretend i'm the well-dressed man and that's how we'll get out of here using the ukrainians all right, that that actually answers a lot of the questions from the last episode, right? So yeah. you're right. This guy, this guy is impersonating the VIP on his exit, which also explains a little bit of the, the next minute. Um, a lot of right. questions I always had about that are actually explained right there. We still don't know who that is, though. Like, no, why is no this idea. VIP, why is this VIP the VIP? We don't know. No, and he's gone okay. now. He is gone. We don't see him again now. Yeah. Ever again. Um, okay. So we enter the opera house. We're collecting bombs with our plain clothes uh, response team member. Uh, 559. Here we go. So the protagonist <laughs> bends down to this. Things are going to get so awesome here. Uh, we bend down to pick up a bomb. And now someone else in response team gear, right, points a gun to our protagonist's head and says, walk away. Now he says this in English with an accent. I, yeah, I. I have questions. Uh, Let me. Continue. I have questions too. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> says this in English. Uh, walk away. And then he says, "You don't have to kill these people." Okay. So, questions: um, Who is this guy? <laughs> Why doesn't he just kill the protagonist immediately? And what is he talking about? You don't have to kill these people. I, I yeah I I got a little uh, turned around here too, and even in your description of it, I, uh, like what faction is he? The, with? Uh, the last time he was grabbing the bombs from that other guy, he was speaking Ukrainian, right? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So this guy speaks English. He's dressed up as SWAT. Is this another infiltration unit that thinks the protagonist is a Ukrainian? I don't know. It's, Maybe. But then what happens next doesn't make a whole lot of sense unless it's tying up loose ends. I don't know. I don't know. These are all really good questions. And I, I don't know if we can really get an answer. I, I guess, the, like, what faction is he a part of, right? Maybe he's part of the Neil faction. Yeah. You don't have to kill these people. He's not, right? He's, he's obviously saving these people. He's saving them. Yeah, put a pin in this guy. <laughs> I think uh, to our listeners out there, please send us your best, yeah. <laughs> your best guess as to who this guy is. And you know, I guess the question is like, why doesn't he just kill the protagonist immediately? Because he obviously has the tactical advantage. 
Um, and what the hell is he talking about when he says you don't have to kill these people? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I'm curious what the uh, audience response is. And that's a good time to bring up. Uh, you can reach out to us at Tenantmen on Twitter. Uh, we are going to be posting some things on there uh, along with each episode. Uh, you can get updates on episodes and uh, reach out to us with your theories, questions, or um, any sort of things you want us to discuss. That's at Tenantmen on Twitter. Moving on. So now things are about to get really exciting too. Uh, 608, uh, minute mark 608. There's 25 seconds left on the bomb clock. Um, and now off to the side, we see a bullet hole in some concrete. But now we're starting to see our first inverted object. Um, so, you know, the basically the, the bullet hole gets filled, right? The bullet comes out of that little hole. Uh, and into the gun of a of a dude that shoots this uh, walk away guy. <laughs> um, it looked like he got shot in the shoulder, by the way. Like it didn't look like a fatal shot, which also could be telling of well, maybe mm-hmm. this guy is not. We don't know what faction he's on, but it wasn't he wasn't shot in the head, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so then we catch a glimpse of uh, this mystery guy running away. He's not really a mystery guy. We know this is Neil. We see the totem at 6.15. Um, fun fact, though, the music changes the second the bullet is caught by the gun. Um, the, so the music changes. The, like the, and we, we, this song comes up a couple times in the movie, but the, those are like inverted notes. Uh, I don't wow. know what the instrument is, but you can, you can really, if you listen closely, you can tell like those, like whatever this melodic melody is, uh, it's like every single note is is inverted, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, so we see the totem. Yeah. Music changes. The, tails, the talesman, according to the... I know. I'm going to keep calling it <laughs> the totem. Um, and then, yeah, 620, plain, plain clothes guy comes up and says, that wasn't one of us. And the protagonist says, I'll take the help. <laughs> referring, to, referring to Neil, and then at six twenty one, uh, big old bu- uh, bag of bombs gets thrown into the mezzanine. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> screw the rich people up there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is a, a scathing like, indictment of the <laughs> disparity at the economic system right. of the world. <laughs> Very Robin Hood esque. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like these are pretty powerful bombs. Like, what's to say like he throws up this giant bag of bombs into the mezzanine that goes off and the mezzanine just collapses and kills everyone anyway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he's only got 31 seconds. <laughs> right, he's doing the best he can. He's A bag it. of bombs in 31 seconds, yeah. Yeah. Um that's it. That's my that's my minute. <clears throat> yeah, I do want I'm gonna read the um stage notes uh, from the script. Uh um, just starting from the walk away, you don't have to kill these people. The protagonist turns to the bomb. It says 32 seconds, 31 seconds. The bullet hole with a puff of smoke thickens. The protagonist, confused, reaches towards it. The SWAT cocks his weapon. Blam, the explosive force of the bullet hole disappears. A Nick appears in the protagonist's uniform. He spins. The SWAT is shot through the chest and drops, revealing a figure who's also in a gas mask and tactical gear. The figure turns, the protagonist sees the figure's pack, a small talisman, a coin with a hole tied to a zip by an orange and yellow thread. 
the protagonist turns back to grab the bomb. And that's just, I just thought that was interesting that that's the first way he describes uh, something inverted happening. Yeah. And also reveals the guy is shot through the chest. Okay. Hmm. It looked like a shoulder shot, but that's okay. <laughs> it's well, I mean, there are differences between the script and the yes. and what's on screen, as we'll see going forward. Yeah. Our first appearance of Neil, who is inverted. He's not inverted. Oh yeah, that's the other. So the bullet is inverted. He's not like he run unless he's just like amazing at like running away backwards because like he runs away, you know, face forward. You're right. He does. So he's not inverted. It's the first time we see him not inverted using an inverted weapon. But then, like, how does the, how does the bullet end up there? Like, how is it so perfectly placed that I think this is a mis- this might be a mistake in the movie? Um, how is the bullet so perfectly placed so he, that he just can go up to it and get this guy? You know what I mean? Well, that that gets into the prevailing winds theory, which is a theory even in the movie itself. They say that that's not even conclusive. <laughs> Um, he explains it much later when he's on the ship. Um, it makes more sense if Neil is also inverted. Um, it would make a lot more sense it, if Neil was inverted. That, that is my problem with objects being inverted as well as people being inverted. Um, I, I, it, the movie would be a lot clearer if only living organic tissue could be inverted um, as opposed to weapons being independently um, averted. Although Neil is a very practiced inverted person. He could be inverted and he's just blending in by walking backwards better than I did when I walked into this room. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. I don't think uh, so. He's got to like run out of there. The place is going to explode in 25 seconds and he's going to like trot out of there running backwards just to like show off. <laughs> <clears throat> huh? I don't know. I'm not convinced. I think, I think this could be uh, another little, a small, but a plot hole. Yeah. Well, well, just to, just to explain the, um, I'm going to pretend Neil's inverted for the for the subject of this examination. So in the prevailing winds theory, if you're Neil, you are inverted. For the sake of this argument, he's inverted in this moment. Your gun is inverted. The whole world is moving around you backwards. You are moving forwards. So from your perspective, he shoots a bullet through that guy and hits the chair. Yes. So cause and effect for him is moving linearly through time. To everybody else's perspective, it's going backwards. To him, he fired the gun, the cause, and the effect was the man was shot and the bullet got lodged in the chair. From the protagonist's experience, that perspective, he is not inverted. He is looking at time normally. So to him, it appears as though a bullet was already in that chair and then was sucked up into the gun or through the guy into the gun. It even nicks him in his shoulder on the way up um, into the guy's chest and into Neil's gun. Um, So the question we have from the perspective of the protagonist is how long has that bullet been there? Because to us, from our perspective, that bullet has been there for a period of time before. But so from the prevailing winds theory is the inverted bullet that from the inverted perspective is fired through the man and into the chair. Um, and then that bullet is there for a period of time after um, it is fired. 
but eventually, because everything else is not inverted around it, um, everything else is moving forwards in time, except for that bullet, which is moving backwards. Eventually, the it, it will be absorbed by all the other organic material around it that is moving forwards through time. That is the prevailing winds theory, um, because the prevailing winds being everything that's moving forward in time. The bullet is the only thing moving backwards in time. It eventually decays, whether through, like they mentioned, radioactivity is going on, uh, especially when cat gets shot. So there's some sort of um, decay that happens to inverted objects over time moving backwards. I think that's that's accurate if Neil mm -hmm. is inverted. And I don't, I don't believe he is. <laughs> but the gun's inverted, which is it just no. gets your head moving in different directions. Just, just the bullet, right? Or just or, the bullet. Can, a, the, can an uninverted gun shoot an inverted bullet? That's a great question. I don't, I don't think it can. I think the whole mechanism would have. Yeah, uh, but this is where right. you really get into the minutiae. <laughs> <laughs> because, again, it would be so much easier if, if objects were not inverted. But then you wouldn't get a cool scene like that. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think the gun yeah. has to be inverted. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> we've spent a lot of time on this we 60 did. seconds of film. <laughs> let's let's hop over okay. to the blue team and see what they're up to. <laughs> okay. Whew. Blue team. Okay. So we discussed uh, the, the conversation at Stalag. My last minute started uh with neil walking up to the protagonist um so we're out of that minute we're now jumping into vietnam the yacht right like that's where the minute starts right on the yacht oh well yeah yes sense. we start on yeah. the yacht uh, yeah. but a lot of stuff has happened previous to so we'll be on this yacht for the next couple minutes um plenty to talk about but it actually starts right as cat is standing on the railing about to jump into the water she looks over and sees her younger self with her son max on the boat um, uh, uh, she then, uh, jumps into the water, uh, makes a perfect dive. Must've been on the dive team in school. Um, so what, can I just say like, it's, it's actually, this is actually like one of my favorite moments in the movie. Like that look she gives herself uh, yeah. is like epic. She is staring like daggers or like just something like there's, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's like that look of like freedom that she talks about. Right. But like, it is, it is an epic look that she shoots herself. Oh yeah, and it's it is like she has a hero's arc in within the arc of this movie where she becomes her savior. Her own like she's so she's looking at her younger self going, We did it. <laughs> you know, we, we made it, we got it through. I'm gonna go I'm gonna spend the rest of my days with my son. Yeah. Uh, uh yes. So she jumps gracefully into the water. Um, and there's a great poetry that, that the younger self thinks that, that the uh, that's the other woman yes. <laughs> that Sater's been seeing. Um uh, she climbs onto the speedboat, um, Mahir, M-A-H-I-R, mm -hmm. Mahir, hands her the radio. And she explains, oh no, protagonist says over the radio, Cat, uh, you jumped the gun. She responds, I couldn't do it. I couldn't let him die thinking he'd won. I knew you'd find a way. <laughs> which is more, more intuition. Yeah. They're both kind of in sync in this, that like <laughs> it, they both understand no matter what I do, this is fated to work out in some kind of crazy way. Um, and then she, then she panics because she has a, 
But she goes, wait, you found a way, right? We're okay. And they says, yeah, we found a way. Be safe. And uh, the speedboat speeds way through the twilight, the twilight dragging Seder's dead body behind him. <laughs> Which I never really thought about, but they I guess they have to remove his dead body uh, because he is currently alive in this timeline moving forward. This is this is the satyr that has come back in time to die in this particular moment. Yes. Because this is when he was happiest. I guess, yeah. Um, so this whole scene is just very interesting uh, with, with uh, satyr's death. And this is... Um, in pairing kind of with Neil's death. These are two uh, main character deaths that happen uh, kind of succinctly around the same time as each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really? Hmm. Like probably maybe at the exact maybe same time. Yeah. We'll see. Cause we really haven't seen Neil's death yet, even though yeah. he's alive after his own death for a little bit. Right. <laughs> in the telling of right. this movie. And there is another satyr running around, at least for the next three weeks, <laughs> doing his own thing. Also, not to deviate too much, but Mahir, uh, definitely one of the unsung heroes of this whole movie. I love that guy. <laughs> I, that's a part of like the Nolan movies. Um, I think he borrows a little bit of that from like the James Bond, where there's sometimes there's like these people that are just like salt of the earth workers that help the protagonist along the way um, that don't get much character play, but they're just very competent people yeah. and they're very trustworthy. <laughs> and this exactly. guy, this guy always comes through. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. I love it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Not much there besides, um, uh, just the fact that uh, Kat, going back through what Cat does, we have to realize that she does, um, that she does call an audible and just decide <laughs> to take matters into her own hands at some point. Well, that's next. I guess that's your that's your minute next week. Yeah, that's what we'll be diving into uh, as I go backwards through the the boat scene. Uh, is that the whole minute? That's it. Wow, that's because so you. I mean, you spend a few, you spend quite a bit of seconds with that glance that you were talking about. Yeah, yeah. And then watching Sater's dead body just kind of be dragged by a boat. <laughs> <laughs> his body, I guess next week, his body like going over the side and like hitting the railing on the way down. Also, yeah. just very, <laughs> very memorable. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll have to watch for that. <laughs> um, wow. It just also like goes to show you like how much stuff can get packed into one minute early on in this movie. And then <laughs> how something like, I think your minute is the better scene by far, by far is the better mm -hmm. scene in this movie. Uh, but not, not a whole lot. Right. Really just mm -hmm. that glance yeah. uh, is epic. Cool. Yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you all <laughs> for listening to the Tenet Men podcast. If you've enjoyed this program, please take a moment to, to follow, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platform you found us on. Check us out on the Twitter at Tenet Men. Um, be assured we will continue our temporal pincer movements of this film next week. Until then, we'll meet you at the beginning. My oh, see you at the beginning, my friend. There it is.